following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Right? And God wants that power to be realized in and through our lives in significant ways. He's giving us power to live for his glory and fame. So Psalms 1 says this in verses 1 through 3. Blessed is, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the, the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he what? Meditates on it day and night. So delight and meditate, these are, these are dwelling words. We, we, we delight and we meditate. We, 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 how, how do you, how are you doing at meditating on God's word? Cause let me, let me promise you, every single one of you are good meditators. Do you know that worry is meditation? It is. We, we, we think about things over and over again. That's, a, that's what meditation is. And God's word, if we delight in it, take pleasure in it, and, and meditate on it. There's an illustration here that, that ends with, we'll be prosperous and successful in all our ways. And here's the illustration. This really kind of speaks to the dwell, right? It says, he is like a tree or she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither in all that they or he does. He prospers. And so that's a promise, right? That, that when we make God our dwelling place, when we meditate on his word, delight in it, uh, we are like a tree planted by streams of water, like constant provision, right? Uh, who's, who's, who, whose fruit does not, like in its season, is fru- he's fruitful. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. This, but, but we are prone, as, the, as Psalms 53 says, we're prone to what? wonder or stray, right? We, and that's why Jesus would say to the disciples, man, if you abide, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser, a gardener. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's this element of dwell. And then we're told because of the work of the cross in 1 Corinthians 3 that now that the, the Holy Spirit, God himself, that's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. That's why, because now the Holy Spirit's in us. We're the temple. You know, I like the tabernacle, like because we're, 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 we're mobile, right? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Spirit of God is in us. And now we're able to take his presence to others as we, as we dwell in him. And so, and then finally, our, our, we're going to have a, a memory verse, as we always do, for the beginning of every single month. And the challenge is, is to use this memory verse to help you to dwell, to, to meditate on it, to take joy and pleasure and delight in God's word. And in, uh, in Romans 8, 11, it says this. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, right? He who raised Jesus from the dead, the father from will give all, will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit. And again, it's like, it's, it's reinforced in this verse who dwells in you. Like, I, I think we really need to be reminded that because of the cross and because of our trust in the Lord and, and, uh, and confidence in, in Christ, like 
God's spirit, like God in his power dwells in us. And I think this, I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do this. So here's some challenges uh, right from the start that relates to this particular theme. Um, we want to challenge you. I know many of you do this may, way more significantly than five minutes. But for some of us, having a consistent time with the Lord, meaning in his word and in prayer, um, might not be a, a normal part of your daily routine. And I would tell you that it is so critical that we spend time with him, right, and in his word. This is a part of what abiding and remaining and drawing near is all about. And so here's, here's the first challenge, is over the month of January, we encourage you to, to put to memory this verse, put it, write it on a card, put it on a three-by-five card. We, 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 we have it all over the place, um, and, and put it to memory. But secondly, spend, five, spend your first five minutes with the Lord. Now, you'll be like, five minutes? With, you know. Man, any time spent with him is significant time. And, you know, psychologists said the first 15 minutes of your day sets the tone for the rest of your day. Give him first fruits. Give him the first five. Now, here's the challenge. In January, we're going to challenge you to make that 10. I mean, in February, we're going to challenge you to make that 10. And then March 15. By the end of the year, if you take the challenge, um, and, and I, I promise you, when you, by, the, by the time you get to, this is what's going to happen. By the time you get to end of January, if this is new for you, you're going to already be due in 10 minutes because you're going to see the fruit of it. You're going to see the joy and the pleasure and the sustenance in it. Um, the satisfaction in it. Um, but by the end of the year, that's, that's an hour, 12 times five. And, uh, and we're hoping by the end of the year that there's a discipline within our body. And we believe that will be so fruitful because of the power and the understanding and the grace and all, all that will happen. The fruitfulness, um, of spending time with him. Um, challenge is to join a life group. Get in, get in a weekly fellowship that's smaller than this context so that you can be doing life with others. If not, let's start one. Uh, if, if one doesn't work for you, time or, or day, let's, let's do that. Uh, a lot of our life groups are kicking off over the next two weeks. Uh, our Wednesday night Bible study uh, gets kicked off again this Wednesday night at 646 right here in Classroom 1. So grab dinner and 646 so you don't forget the time. Come and join us and be a part of that. Um, I also want to mention that Awana is kicking off again this Friday for their second semester. Um, we're also looking, because we've had so much loss within our body, um, heaven's gain. But uh, we just, we, we're going to offer a grief share class. Uh, we're looking for interest in that um, before we we um, we go to you know training and Bible and uh, ordering materials. So if you're interested, please let us know. Uh, also, want to mention that in two weeks um, we have one of our missionaries coming uh, to share an update, which is always so exciting. So Tom and Vicky will be here in a couple of weeks, and uh, you'll want to you want to be a part of that because um, it's going to be a wonderful day. And then many have been asking about when is the State of the Church address, because it's always around the first of the year. February 6th, uh, we'll have our State of the Church address. So before we get into the message, I want to pray, but I want to ask you to be in prayer for, for um, different folks within our body. Many, many of our folks, um, some folks are, are struggling with COVID. Others have been sick this week. Um, and so, uh, please be in prayer for Victoria and, and I'll probably forget someone if I, and, and, but Victoria and Shakia and Roxanne and Jerry and Lisette, Lisette's feeling much better as of yesterday. So praise the Lord for that. Um, and, and many others, um, 
have not, I think I mentioned um, Matt and Lori, um, they went to Oklahoma for her stepdad's um, memorial service and they had, they, they got a positive result and, uh, but they're heading home, uh, Lord willing on the fourth through the sixth. So keep them in prayer. Please continue to pray for Cindy who has uh, a procedure coming up that we're so thankful for and optimistic and, uh, and also for Brian and Dee and for many of our, our church family that are continuing to, to mourn the loss of loved ones. So if you permit me, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for, uh, because of the cross that every day is a new, is a new start with you. Thank you for your posture that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you that uh, you're the prodigal father on the horizons of our lives that is always ready to embrace us and reconcile us. Remind us that we're your your kids and uh, restore even the inheritances that we've squandered, that you have a cattle on a thousand hills and and that you give us back the, the fields that the locusts have eaten. Lord, you are that gracious and that merciful. And so, Lord, help us to re- to reflect that mercy and grace with those around us. Uh, forgive us when we're impatient and we don't reflect your, your your mercy or lean on your spirit for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're so desperate for your infusing power to manifest uh, your life through us. And so, Lord, now as we gather around your word, we pray that you would feed us, that you would instruct our hearts, that you would teach us your will and your ways. Uh, Lord Jesus, that you'd uh, pull back the veil and open our eyes and and um, help us to have fertile hearts, soil that is ready for the good seed of your word to be planted deeply in us that we might produce good fruit, Lord, that we might manifest your love and grace and peace and gospel to a to a, a world that is hungry for hope and life and light. So help us to be that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I know this isn't new, but I'm excited about this message. So uh, we have been in the Gospel of Luke uh, when we left off for the Christmas break um, and uh, New York Christmas Eve and, and our last Fearless Faith message, which was wonderful. Thank you, Fred. Um, we were uh, in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 9, and uh, we're going to pick up in, in, uh, in verse 10 and go through verse 17 this morning. Uh, this is a familiar text to most of us. Um, this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. We are told that there are 5,000 men, much less women and children. So arguably between 10 and 15,000 people are, are, are here looking for Jesus to meet their need, curious about who this is. His fame is, is, is been, is, is blowing up. Uh, one of the, the uh, unique things about this particular uh, event in Christ's life and ministry is that this, this is the only miracle with the exception of the resurrection. This is the only miracle that is in all four gospels. And so that's, that's pretty important. Right. There's something here that there's there's a lot here to glean. So I hope that you're ready and receptive. I hope you're excited about what the Lord's going to teach us in this, uh, because there's a lot to get. I want to mention also that um, context is so critical. And one of the things that we that we find out is Jesus just sent his disciples on a mission. They're coming back to report all the wonderful things that that uh, his authority and uh, the ministry that he hands, he's handing off to them is accomplishing. Um, but also what he has heard in recent time 
is that his relative, his forerunner, uh, his friend of the bridegroom, John the Baptist, has been beheaded, and he's just hearing about this. So Jesus is hearing about a loved one that has died. And uh, and we see his response to both of these elements uh, as we open up this text. So let's uh, let's look at these seven verses. Um, if you don't mind, let's stand as we read God's word together. And uh, we're in chapter nine of Luke, verses 10 to 17. I hope you have your Bibles open and ready, uh, but we'll have it on the screen for you as well. And it goes like this. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowd learned it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began, the, the day began to wear away. And the twelve came, to, came and said to him, send the crowd away to go to surrounding villages and countryside uh, to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine? They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And had them all sit down and taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Thank you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Um, so I want to I want to ask you some initial questions because I think it's so important that we kind of uh, really kind of take in the text and examine the text, observe the text a little bit here. So I've already mentioned that this is was in all four Gospels. So um, it's in John six. It's in Mark six. It's in uh, Matthew 14. OK, but it's also here in Luke nine. And that's where we'll center in and focus on. So Jesus is now sharing his ministry with his disciples and he and you know he there's always the test it's always and and the test is do do you, do you know me do you see me for who I am right do you acknowledge me as lord and he says to them you know after sending them out and and having a successful mission he says you feed them now i want you to put yourself in their scenario he's they're looking out over the multitude I mean, this is this is a great crowd. I mean, thousands upon thousands, a sea of people. And Jesus looks at the 12 and says, you feed them. <laughs> I mean, uh, just for a moment, take in what the, the questions you might have in that moment, the, 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 the conclusions you might draw. So here's some questions for you. What is the disciples' response? Well, in the text, we see we can't. We don't have enough. They were once again underestimating Jesus, right? And do we do the same? Do we underestimate Jesus in moments like this? Because when they, when they said, we can't, I think they're right. They can't. But he can, right? And when, when, we, when we say that we don't have enough, 
What are we saying about Jesus who says he's always with us? Here's the big idea for this morning. If we offer the Lord what we have or don't have, he can do miraculously more than we ask or imagine, we're told. But are we are we, give, are we trusting him? Are we acknowledging him to be who he has declared himself to be? And are we, are we just resting in his hands and being willing to obey his commands? Another question. Do you think it's important to believe that we can do what he asks us to do? I think it's critical that we must believe that we can do whatever he asks us to do. And, and often is that going to be beyond our, our scope uh, or of limitations or our own personal expectations? Question, is what he asks of us usually over our head and more than we have or can do? Is it? Go into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. That sounded like crazy talk to, to Peter in that morning, right? They fished all night, caught nothing. Right. But I think the, the challenge is, is that he's with us. That's what we have to be mindful of. And now we are indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. Like. Like we are fully equipped for whatever God calls us to do, whatever he calls us to do. Last question, as we ponder the text, are you over your head right now or feeling a little overwhelmed what does it look like to trust the lord's word and obey him in your situation what does it look like to trust god's word because i i believe that god authors at times you notice that most people that come to jesus are in desperate circumstances it often seems like desperation is what brings us to the right posture or or the right person Right? Because we're so quick to lean on our own understanding, to go to uh, resources. Uh, and this is exactly what the disciples did in this story, right? In this event. Right? They, they instantly start, instead of counting on Jesus, they start counting their money. And I'm not sure we don't do the same thing. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. We trust in you. We need you to do the glorious work that only you do through your Holy Spirit and word, which is sanctify the saint. And so would you change our hearts, open our eyes, and would we have a yielded spirit to the things that you, a teachable heart, to the things you want to show us this morning. And may it change the outcome of 2022 and the years ahead, not just for us, but for those that we would, that you would use us to touch in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me uh, let me break down the passage for us, and we're just going to go verse by verse through this. And man, I'm excited to share some things that the Lord has revealed to me. So it says, on their return, speaking of the apostles coming back from their mission, um, they told him all that they had done. Mark tells us, I'm going to kind of pull in some of the other gospel accounts. Um, Mark tells us that all they had done and taught. And he took them and withdrew, and, and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So one of the things I've already mentioned is Jesus is, is obviously grieving here. And he models for us something that's so important. Um, we, we're not good at resting. 
I mean, we needed we need one of the ten big commandments to tell us that we you know that we need to set apart you know one in seven just to spend time with rest himself the one the you know the Prince of Peace uh, in order to experience the rest that is so necessary. Jesus said, "Look, listen, the Sabbath wasn't for you. I mean, it wasn't made. You weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. It's for your benefit." And here we see that Jesus is leading his disciples, much like the Holy Spirit would would lead us to a time of rest. Are we sensitive to the Spirit? We see in John chapter 3, if you notice, uh, Jesus is foreshadowing the coming of the Holy Spirit when he's talking to Nicodemus. And he says that the Holy Spirit is like the wind, right? You don't know where it's coming or where it's going. He says, so it is with those that are filled with the Spirit, Right? So if we if we think about what it's saying there is that sometimes the wind moves pretty aggressively. Other times it's still or soft. And I would say, I would venture to say that the majority of the time it's not in an aggressive mode. And so, you know, when we when we rest in the Lord, when we sit at his feet, when we do these things, when we be still and know that he is God, when you... Uh, when you, when you, when you rest in his care and his provision. Now, by all means, when God says go, go. When he says move, move. But, but we should also know that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus models for us in this occasion, will lead us into moments of rest. And, uh, and obviously that was something that was needed. In the Mark account, this is what it says in verses 31 and 32. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. This is the agenda of Jesus for the, for the heart of his disciples. He's modeling this for them and for us. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure, no rest, no downtime, even to eat. Now I think this is really important because they they go into this this situation with the feeding of the five thousand and they they didn't even they were so busy they didn't even have to and you ever been there so busy that you didn't even eat right um, we're going to talk about that at the end of this but I I just want to point that out here so that you remember it as we get to the end but they didn't have any time to and then all of a sudden there's a there's an opportunity that presents itself and Jesus welcomes it right. Verse 32, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So verse 11 in our Luke passage goes on to say, and when the crowds learned it, um, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. So a couple of observations here is Jesus welcomed the interruption. We know that he had the intention of, of rest here for the disciples. And yet he didn't consider the crowd that was searching for him, that was following him, pursuing him. He didn't consider it a nuisance. He welcomed it as a divine appointment or opportunity. And we've talked about this often. What happens when our plans are interrupted by, by others needs? Any parents here? Does that happen at all? (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, um, and, and what is our posture? Jesus knew like, and, and one of the things that I think is, is really, really sweet here as we see kind of Jesus's example, Jesus lays aside his needs, his, even his grief in order to meet the needs of others, to fulfill the purpose by, for which he came. And I think that's it. I think that's an example to us is that he welcomes them. Um, it's not like, 
<sighs> you know, I mean, you, you get a sense that he embraces this opportunity, though he's grieving and the, the, the gang's tired and hungry. And so it says he welcomes the interruption. I ask the question, do we? Um, Jesus, and, and the thing is, I don't think he would have seen it as an interruption, and maybe that's part of the, um, that, that's, that's part of the, the, the wisdom in it. Because when we perceive it as a nuisance or interruption, our attitude isn't so good. Does that make sense? And so it's, it's, a, it's about realizing that, that this is the, this is the calling. This is the opportunity. This is the moment, the treasure, um, the plan. And then Jesus welcomes the seeker, the follower. I see that, you know, in the passage too. They're, they're following him. And it's, I think it's very, it's, it, it's good for us to know that the posture of God when we seek him, right? Um, we, we see that in uh, Jeremiah 29, 13. Those that seek him with all of their heart. You know, that there's a welcoming um, from from Jesus here. An example, he says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So we know that this is an example of the Father's heart towards us. And Jesus brought and will bring the kingdom to us. This is what he's sharing. He's sharing himself as as the king of a new kingdom that is that that is eventually placed in us. And we only have a foretaste of the glory divine. We only have a, this is, this is just a deposit. <laughs> when he reveals himself there, the, the kingdom will come to us in a greater sense in his return. In Mark, the, verses 34 and uh, 33 and 34, just to bring this into the context, which is a little different than what, I mean, just adds to Luke's, uh, um, interpretation. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when when he went ashore, he saw a great cloud and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So I think it's interesting that he he, he starts shepherding them. And what does that look like? He teaches them many things. This is this is the shepherd's heart. I mean, this is what a parent wants to do for their child as they shepherd or steward the gift of that child is you want to impart, right, the the precious things of God. Verse 12 continues in our Luke passage and says, Now the day began to wear away. It was getting late. And the the 12 came and said, Now you get a sense that there's a consensus here. The, the, The whole gang comes to Jesus, right? The 12 come to him. It's like, it's as if they've talked this through and they've come to consensus. They've, you know, this, this sounds like, and, and think about it, like, you don't bring to God things that you haven't, like, like, that aren't, uh, that you don't think are, are well received, right? Um, so, so they come, uh, expecting, maybe even expecting Jesus to go, good, good idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys are thinking about these things. And what's in- interesting to me is what they what they present is not even close to what Jesus is is planning to do, what God's plan was for this moment. And yet, the plan is filled with great compassion and concern and thought for others. And yet, God still has a bigger plan. Do you think that might ever be the case with us? That his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Do you think that it might be that we, we can conceive even in a, in a large group, uh, with, with many like-minded minds, uh, a compassionate, thoughtful thought, and it still could be 
selling God short. Well, it says the days wearing away and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away and, uh, to go into the surrounding villages and, 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 and countrysides and, and find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. Do we pray like this? Making demands on God? Send them away. You know, I, I think again, it kind of, it kind of illustrates how they see Jesus. You know, sometimes we realize that we're the one that's supposed to be in submission to Him. It's not like we're, you know, trying to get God to do our thing. We're, we're here seeking to do His, but here they, they, they seem to make demands, telling God what to do. Does, does this sometimes find its way into our prayer life? Wanting God to do what we think is best, not trusting Him for the best. When we pray, do we fill God in on the details? I, you know, I, I kind of think Jesus probably knew what hour of the day it was and it was getting dark. I kind of think he probably knew it was a desolate place and that these people were potentially hungry and far from home. I think he had those details figured out. And, and here's, I'm not just trying to be critical of our prayer life, but there's, there's, a, there, there's something to this that's so critical that we need to understand. When, when our prayer life includes trying to fill God in on the details, we forget that we're talking to an omniscient God. The one that knows it all. Has a, has a plan and a solution before we have a problem. And, and I don't know about you, and I've said this before, but like, if, if someone comes to you and, uh, and speaks to you in a certain way, maybe it's even somewhat disrespectful. I think of the father that came to Jesus and said, if you can, and Jesus said, if I can, <laughs> do you know who you're talking? You know, like, uh, but like, do we know who we're talking to? Do we know what he's capable of? I mean, like if someone were to come to you and treat you uh, and say you're, you're a master plumber and they treat you like you don't even know what PVC means, you know, like, you know, but I think sometimes God gets that from us when, when we're kind of filling him in on the details. Don't you think it's more honoring to God to say, you know it all, Lord. You know everything. that You've already got this. So would you help me to understand your will, your heart, your plan here? I think that's why the psalmist says, let your words be few. And so I, I think that's interesting. Um, another thought, or, or do we make our case rather than trusting his heart and plan? You know, like it's almost like they're making their case here, you know, for what Jesus should do. And, and I think sometimes in our prayer, even in our hearts, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to show God our plan. God, this is really a good plan. I thought this through. This, this makes, this covers the basis. Right? But there's no faith in it, right? Like, and it's rather than just saying, God, I know you got a plan here. This is a, this is a very dry place that I'm in right now. And I'm, I'm hungry. You ever been there? Hungry. And I'm in a dry place. And it's getting late, God, on my, on my need here. You ever been there? Is your need right now getting late? Do you feel like things are laid and dry and, and that you're in need? God's got a plan. But here's the problem. So often he has to overcome our plan for us to embrace his. 
Are we, are we, and we're so locked in on our plan that we can't even, we can't even have an open mind about like, like we're just going, God, why aren't you doing it? Well, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> and so the challenge for us is, you know, and for the disciples here is to believe that God can do more than we ask or imagine. Right? His ways, Isaiah 55. Like his thoughts are not our thoughts. So, so what posture, if that's the truth, and I believe it is, like what does our posture need to be? I don't know what you're doing here, Lord, but I know you're good and I know you're great and I know you love me. Right? And so I'm going to do what, what you want to do here. Oh, would you open my eyes and would we believe him for the miracles that he desires to do? Cause here's my thought. Logical isn't always biblical. Did you hear that? Like logical, leaning on our own understanding, logical isn't always biblical. The disciples' suggestion was thoughtful and compassionate, but it wasn't the Lord's design or desire. He had bigger plans. He had better plans. You know, we were talking about this morning in our, in our, join us for Bible study on Sunday mornings at nine. It's an awesome time together. But we were talking about this, this, this morning and it's like, did, would it have taken them longer to eat if they, if they had done what the disciples said or what Jesus did? Don't you know that they, they, they were fed far quicker and, and more miraculously in the time frame that Jesus planned? And I think some things, you know, and I, and I could be wrong here, but I just think sometimes the delays, the things that are hindering God's plan being realized is us. And maybe you just need to get on his page instead of wanting him on ours. His ways are not our ways. We must listen and obey. Because that's what the disciples ultimately did, right? Because, I mean, like, sometimes we, we don't read this with any sort of, like, time boundaries. Jesus says, um, okay, go, go have them sit down in groups of about 50. Now, think about it. Like, 12,000 arguably people. It's a lot of groups, 12 guys, you know. Like, but like, they, in that moment, they're going, they don't know what he's going to do. They know there's five barley loaves, you know, the little boys uh, gone shopping for the family. You know, I mean, that's all they know, but they're just doing what Jesus has told them to do. Are, are you? Are you just do, like we, we face so many famines and dry places and hungry moments in our life because we're doing what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. And sometimes what God, we know God wants us to do doesn't make sense to us yet. When, when does understanding come? On the other side of obedience. That's right. So verse 13 says, and he said to them, Jesus, you give them something to eat. I can't imagine what their faces look like. I don't think they could have kept their jaw from dropping. Like, what? You know, like, and, and, and what was their answer? What will we feed them? With what? And Jesus later on helps them to understand, I am the bread of life. Me. I'm right here. Right? They said, we have no more. I think this is, I said this this morning in our Bible study, I think this is the saddest statement that I've read in Scripture for a long time. And we can be equally guilty. We have no more than five loaves and two fish. 
Guys, have you ever have you ever declared lack when when Jesus says, I'm with you? Like he's like they were terrified in fear in the midst of a storm in the boat. Jesus looks at them and says, Why are you afraid? Why? Because I'm right here. But they didn't know who was right here. And what I'm telling you in this moment is they don't know who's right there. And what I'm saying this morning is there's a lot of times we don't know who's right here. Because if we did, we would have hope, promise, optimism, encouragement, joy, and peace. We would relax in his sovereign care, knowing that his promises are good. His timing is perfect. And we would rest in that. That's why he says in Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, be anxious for... Man, <laughs> that's, that's asking a lot, right? Be anxious for nothing, right? Like, like again, it's not, it's not hard. It's impossible unless we have help. And do you know that's why I believe Jesus kind of told us you will be given another helper. Well, if there's another helper, who was the first? He was. Look, God is our helper. He's never going to ask us to do something that he ha- it, that hasn't been well thought through and isn't planned out to perfection with resources already built in. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I, I hope you do. He says, he says to them, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes. Gosh. Whoa. Wow. Did they underestimate who was, who was with him? Do we? Like, and, and I've heard some say that this, they, all they had was a boy's lunch, right? I don't know of any boy that eats five loaves and two fishes. Okay. So I think this is a family shopping experience coming coming through. But unless we are going to buy, they say, go and buy food for all these people, right? So a few observations. What will we feed them? Do we do that? How am I going to do it? With what I have instead of who we have. With what? With him. We... We often leave God out of our math. And that's where we fall short. How does everything come to fruition in our lives, including our salvation? Faith. Everything comes to us by faith. We are quick to take personal inventory and come up short. Anybody guilty? The moment that we face something, I don't have enough energy for that. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time for that. Right? I mean, isn't this exactly what Moses said? I was ready about 40 years ago, God, but, but now I can't even speak right. God said, he got angry. He said, who, who made your mouth? Look at Gideon. Gideon just didn't see him himself the way God saw him. You know, with, with the resource of, of him. Like, you know, what you don't have, he has in spades. You, you don't lack for anything. In fact, he wants us to, to, to be in a, in a lackful state so we put our total hope and trust and confidence in him. So he gets the glory. Right? The Lord never asks us to do it without him. Let us not ever forget that. When he calls you to do something, he's not saying, I'll see you later. He's saying, let us 
You know, Sheba always says he doesn't want us to do it for him. He wants us to do it with him. Right? Mark has this to say in verses 37 and 38. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? That's eight months wages, guys. Right? This was their perception. I'm thinking Matthew sitting there going, well, that's about eight months wages. You know, like, like, um, but here's, the, this is really relevant. Don't lean on money for your answers in life. What, what is our hope and security in? Is it him? Because that was their first thought. We, we don't have enough money. And Jesus is going, I'm right here. Right here. We, we have enough God. Can I say it that way? We have enough God. Right? What are you counting on? That's the question. Like, what are you counting on to do? What God, because your life is God's plan. It's already mapped out. But what are you counting on to do it? Him or the resources he puts in your hands? Because he doesn't even want you to trust them. Does that make sense? Because oftentimes we're starting to trust the stuff or put our sense of security in, the, in, in, in money as if that can purchase the miracle. I'm not saying God can't use those things to do miraculous things, and he does. But man, he wants to show himself faithful in every circumstance. So you give them something to eat, give it to them to eat, he says. And, and you got to believe that maybe Judas was in, he's the one that's saying, oh, we could have sold that bottle of perfume for you know, a whole year's worth of money and given it to the poor. You know, like Jesus doesn't even care about the money. And if you look at the four gospels and really take it in, it's as if they had it, right? They had a lot of benefactors. It's like they had it to go and, but it, Jesus is saying, don't lean on that. Even if you have, look, we're the, we're the most wealthiest country. I mean, the poorest person here is is a millionaire in other countries, right? Like we we, but man, don't lean on money. It's not our hope or security. And he said to them, "How many loaves do you have? Go and see." We know in the John account that Andrew goes, he's the bringer. He brings the little boy. The boy has five barley loaves and two fish. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Now, here's where I want to pause and make the connection to 2022. A couple of observations. Give what you have to him. Marty's already mentioned it this morning. Like we've sung about it. Like, isn't there's no every day is the best day to do it, but this is a great day to just say, Have me, Lord, and have everything that you've put in my hands that it's yours. Everything. Right? Give what you have to him. As long as it's yours, it lacks supernatural potential. Does that make sense? As long as you own it, it lacks super but when we acknowledge that he owns it. Now there's great potential, right? We can entrust these things, mostly our lives, our hearts, our hands, our feet, but everything that's in our life. So here's the challenge. Starting in 2022, I encourage you to do this. Give him what you have and trust him for what you don't have. We're going to play a song right now, just because I just think like sometimes we 
we, we, we take in God's word, but we don't have time to, to really prayerfully make application or ask for the wisdom to put it to practice. And so we're just going to pause for a few minutes here. And, and, and we're going to have some music playing, but I just, would you, would you just commit your life, your days and ways to the Lord, uh, as we begin this new year? And not that this shouldn't be our posture every minute of every day, but this is just a, an, an opportune time to just say, you know, God, I've, I've, I, 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 I need to give it all to you. You, if it's in your hands, there's so much more potential. So let's spend some time with the Lord here for just a few moments. So you probably um, know the lyrics to this song. Help me. I surrender all. Surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. I, I share with you very quickly a brief testimony on my part. Um, uh, many of you don't know that, um, that I just have... Uh, Chronic fatigue. I, I, I don't know the issues. Low, low vitamin counts in a litany of areas, and and so fatigue is always a factor. And and my back uh, had surgery in 2017. Um, I, I honestly dread going to bed because I'll go to bed feeling pretty good. I wake up feeling <laughs> like I mean just a me- like it's a wreck. 
and uh, and 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 oftentimes where where I fail at this is I'll I'll hear from the Lord on something, and initially I'll be like I don't have the strength or the energy for that. That's so much bigger than I feel like. It's it's not really money. It's it's just I just I, I lack the the strength or the energy even to lead in it. It, it. I get overwhelmed. And man, this is such. I mean, I'm always reminded. The Lord just keeps reminding me. I'm it's like a constant lesson. You know, I'm with you. Well, you know, you don't. It's not. It's, you don't have to do it without me. I, I don't recommend that. <laughs> um, and. Uh, do it in my strength. Let me set the pace. Don't get out in front of me. You know, all these things over the years. And so what I've been reminded of, my challenge is, you know, that his, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Right? That I, that I, he, he's the strength. He's the power uh, behind all the things that he longs to do. These guys couldn't feed those folks. <laughs> Even if they had eight months wages. As we finish our text together, um, verses 14 and 15 says this. For there are about 5,000 men, Matthew tells us, besides women and children. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50, or about, about 50 each. And they did so and had them sit, all sit down. So a few observations here. Keep in mind, and this is interesting, that they simply did what Jesus asked having no idea what Jesus was going to do. Um, and I, I, that's challenging for me, right? Like, Because I think we, sometimes we, we see this in hindsight, as I'll mention in my next point. And, but we don't acknowledge the, the, the segments, the moments. Like they're just doing what Jesus asked them to do. He, they have, But isn't that part of the abundant life? Like, I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be awesome, right? Like... So to us, in hindsight, it's simply, it's simply logistics, right? We just see logistics here. But can you imagine what the disciples and the crowd thought as this is unfolding? I mean, in Matthew they, or John, they draw the conclusion, this is the great prophet we've been waiting for at the end. And finally, when, when you are in a circumstance, um, or when you are in circumstances where you have no other resource but Jesus, walk out his word. Because they didn't have the resources to see this mission to fruition. Right? They didn't. They, they, you feed them. Okay. <laughs> like, like they didn't have it. But like what they did do in this moment is they obeyed his word. And then you know what happened? They had it. He, he distributed the, 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 the resources. The bread of life gave them bread so that they might be instruments of provision. Verse 16 continues, And taking the five loaves and the two fishes, and I think this is key, he looked up to heaven, from where does my help come from? Right? And said a blessing over them. Then he took the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set them before the crowd. Uh, Mark tells us, and he divided the two fish among them all. So a, a few observations here. They obeyed his word and a miracle occurred. I think that's that's good theology, <laughs> right? Are you a distributor of God's miracles? 
Are you a distributor like the disciples were of God's miracles? Well, the question might be, well, how? Thought? Simply be willing to share what God has given you and do what he asks, knowing he will provide. Do you see the faith factor there? I'll say it again. Simply be willing to share what God has given you, time, talent, resources, and do what he asks, knowing he will provide for the things that he's asked us to do. And finally, verse 17, and they all ate and were satisfied. Now that is that is a staggering statement. It's not like we do with communion where they all got, here's a little piece of bread. They all ate fishes and loaves. They all ate and were satisfied. Thousands and thousands, take that in. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. So it's, it's not like they ate a scrap of bread. They ate and they were satisfied. Jesus, as he always does, provided in abundance. In abundance. So why 12 baskets full? Exactly. 12 disciples, 12 baskets. Remember I was going to reference, I referenced uh, something earlier. Remember they were rushed into this, this circumstance after Jesus was seeking them to have some time of rest because they, because of their business, they hadn't eaten. And so then they, then they're, then they're in this moment, you know, being Jesus' hands and feet, their instruments, and Maybe they hadn't eaten, but here, now we see their baskets are filled. But the other thing that I think stands out for me is that when we do ministry, there's a filling that happens. And I'm just, I I can speak from experience on this. There's been countless times where I've missed many meals and in, in, in doing what the Lord's asked to do and felt incredibly satisfied in the process. I'll share this verse with you. This is what Jesus said to the boys. They came back with lunch for him. You remember John 4, they went into Samaria. Jesus said, you guys go grab lunch. I'm going to sit here by this well. The woman came from uh, Sakaar and sat and they had a conversation. And then they come back and he says this. He says, I'll read the verse, but he says, you know, I have food you know nothing about to do God's will, right? So it says, but he said to them, I I have food to eat that you do not know about. It's when we serve, when we are, there is, there's a miracle that happens. I think the disciples experienced a, a, a miracle of feeding, a spiritual nourishment. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we see that right here in this provision. So I don't know what part of this, this wonderful miracle that's, that's accounted for in all four gospel really speaks to you this morning. But let us never, ever underestimate Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that we are indwelt with in order to finish the mission that he has started. And so he is the bread of life. Have you ever found that trying to find satisfaction in anything else leaves you wanting? Oh, that in 2022, we would find it true to our hearts that Jesus is our bread of life, that he is the very sustenance of our life and doing his will, despite the fact that it might not even make sense yet, is ideal 
It's it's what God would say. That's how we exercise our faith and trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy, for your love, for your grace, for your son, for your spirit. We thank you for the fact that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness, that uh, we don't lack anything in provision to do the things that you've asked of us. Forgive us when we doubt um, or underestimate your power or potential. Uh, Lord, let us not be like Moses or Gideon, but be be convinced that if you've called us, that you will see it to fruition, that that you've started and you will finish the work that you've done in us. I pray that uh, this year would be marked uh, as a church, as individuals, as families, that it would be marked by obedience, by fearless faith, by a confidence and trust in you, uh, an indwelling presence and power that moves us and motivates us to joyful obedience in all that we do. We love you, Lord. We are so, so grateful for your love, grace, and mercy. I pray that our lives would reflect that gratitude in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and live. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.